Even villains get second chances, and hopefully even third ones. You're listening to Once, episode 187, page 23. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And we are ready to dig into this episode, page 23. We're going to dig into page 23. We're going to jump into page 23 because page 23... Represents this entire episode. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I mean, we've gotten the backstory to the bug, and now we get the backstory to... The page 23. We do. Which is actually the French version of this episode was called The Page 23. Le Page 23. Well, yeah, if you want to put it in French, that's how it was. Anyway, let's start our discussion in the past. When Regina is yet again of... I mean, what else does Regina do in the past except chase Snow White into villages and threaten villagers and destroy villages? Snap necks. I do have to wonder, does Snow White leave every bed this way it's part of her daily morning routine to make her bed and leave something that looks like her underneath the sheets <laughs> that's just how i make my bed i <laughs> i i put a fake person under there just in case you know any evil queens come along and try to rip out their little straw hearts anything like that this scene had what i i think I do still think is retcon, and that is that Tinkerbell should not be there. I mean, it's great to see Tinkerbell. The actress, Rose McIver, has a great accent, lovely accent, you know, being a Kiwi. That's New Zealander. Oh, right. Not the fruit. And it's great to see these old characters back in Once Upon a Time. Oldish. Yeah, oldish. A few years since we've seen them, or a couple years. But her character simply doesn't fit here timeline wise story wise but now why do you say that well because she's supposed to be in neverland here uh she saw she met hook in neverland sometime around this time yeah as well as the fact that in the episode quite a common fairy where we get tinkerbell's backstory a little bit and we see that moment when she takes regina to the tavern in that episode when they were in neverland and tinkerbell met regina there tinkerbell asked her did you ever go see him in a way that clearly i thought communicates that tinkerbell didn't know after that moment where she took regina to see robin true tinkerbell didn't know what happened after that just that she lost her wings and was somehow ended up in neverland and without magic she would have been trapped right exactly and here in the enchanted forest she doesn't have wings she looks hardened in some way, like she's lost her wings by now. And she just shouldn't be there. Unless, I think I found the answer to most of the retconning problems that we run into with Once Upon a Time. Okay. Time travel. Um, Remember, it did actually happen in this show. Unless you wiped that from your memory. Well, I did a little bit because I like the original story that they told in the pilot better yeah. than the story they told in that episode. Yeah, so we could say that it's the butterfly effect. You know, a butterfly farts somewhere and it causes this whole chain of events to end up differently 
because something different changed in the past. So that could be kind of what happened here, even though it seemed like uh, when Emma and Hook went back in time at the end of the third season, even though things ended up generally the same. That's a severe butterfly effect because it would also alter what happened in Neverland, which with that altered present day Storybrooke should have been altered potentially depending on the ramifications. So it really, it's too much. And while I'm presenting this to you and I thought I had this all worked out beforehand, (laughs) I just now realized, and I'm probably even beating the chat room to this as well. Thank you chat room for being here. If you're about to correct me, I'm about to correct myself. That event that happened, the time travel, actually chronologically happens after this because that event is what helped Snow and Charming meet. So it probably happened shortly oh. after this or a little bit before this. It's it's a little That's hard to true. tell exactly when this happens. Right. So, you mean that they arrived in the past after this point? Right. Yeah, so it's just your typical, we don't look at the timeline when we put a character in. Hashtag hire the nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that made it to the soundboard. Thank you, Megan. That's awesome. I have one thing to say to writers who might be a little less careful when they write about characters from the past and look at the timeline. Shouldn't you be living in a tulip somewhere? (laughs) Nice. Well, you know, okay. Which again, doesn't work with the timeline. (laughs) However, it was a fun line. I enjoyed it. The rewatching this episode and knowing the way the episode ends and certain things that at first viewing, I thought, oh, wait, wait, that's totally out of character for them. And then realizing later on, okay, that's that's different. Like the whole uh, Henry Sr. thing, what he does, which we'll Mm -hmm. get to in just a moment. Seeing this kind of stuff, looking at this episode, I would say that the the story writing Not necessarily the best, not the worst, certainly not the worst. No, not the worst. Um, But the dialogue, Uh I would say really, really good dialogue in this episode. I agree, actually, yes. Now that you mention it, we have been through some episodes that not only had a really poor story and plot holes, but but like, you know, some lines that I questioned Maybe whether any time had been put in at all. But this, you're right. The dialogue and the characters were kind of on point with this episode. And as long as we're praising great things with this episode, Lana Perea just nailed the acting (laughs) with both Evil Queen and Regina. Mm -hmm. Of course, they don't film that acting right next to each other. Like, you know, you stand here and you're Evil Queen. Now stand over there and then you're Regina. They don't do it that way. But uh, still, to be able to do... The character development and the emotions, the way she did in this episode, mm-hmm. fantastic job, Lana Priya. And that whole thing has gotten so good in the last few years to the point that I hardly think about the idea of split screen. It used to be so awkward when they'd put two people oh, yeah. on a screen that were the same actor. I remember, actually, that was, didn't I reference Star Trek Voyager last week? Uh, you might have. <laughs> but that was one of the first shows where I saw them, take because Star Trek, I mean, it's easy to have two of the same person in the same room. Oh, yeah. It makes and sense in the Star Trek universe. Star Trek, <laughs> that is super easy in a me- million different ways. But that was one of the first where I saw the two people portrayed by the same actress stand very close to each other. And then one, without breaking the shot, walk past the other one. That was the first time I saw anything like that. 
I'm really making myself sound super old now. But now it's like no big deal. And they can just, you forget that it's, wait, that's the same person in two places in the same room. Well, and they are able to do that in this world because they have torn themselves apart. <laughs> I got to make up for something here. Yeah, you said torn, not tear. So that I know. So you have to do it again. You're right. I will have to do it again. Uh, <laughs> speaking of doing it again, Henry Sr. is always the voice of reason for mm-hmm. Regina or Evil Queen until this episode. But it was later on we realized, okay, he was being clever and still being the voice of reason, even after, though he was saying this stuff like, I want to help you get your revenge. After Balefire Gate, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was getting, I felt the retcon rage rising as he suggested that he help her kill Snow White. Yeah. Like, what? Not you too, Henry Sr. You're supposed to be great and mournable. And when do we watch you drink the forgetting potion? Right. Because Regina decides you shouldn't have that blackness in your heart and that she should have it all to herself. (laughs) But he leads her to uh, this light magic door, which, by the way, looks like a beautiful place for weddings. And there's even Cupid on the other side of the doorway, this nice, beautiful arch there in the forest. Great presentation for your guests. (laughs) Just to, you know, magic it there and then the the guests up here. You can rent the gate in the entire realm for just 4,000 pieces of gold for the day but on the other side of this beautiful wedding style archway is the statue of cupid and the the extremely specific again superlatives about what this arrow can do leads you to gaze on the person you love most so it doesn't create love it doesn't spark love it doesn't add flames to love it merely guides you To be able to view the person you love most. Which, given what happened with casting the curse, would have been a slightly awkward moment. Maybe it's a particular kind of love. Oh, yeah. Shouldn't it have landed at Henry's feet? At best. Yeah. Or perhaps, struck him in the bottom. (laughs) It is Cupid's arrow. Yeah. And we didn't really get a good look at the bow, But that does look kind of like the bow that Robin uses. Now, not the bow that Regina used to shoot the arrow because she magicked that into her hand while Cupid's statue was still holding a different bow. So this could be the same bow that Robin uses. You know, an arrow fired from this bow always hits its target. What if the bow was just part of the statue? It was an actual bow. It wasn't. Like part of the statue. It, oh, it was wooden waste. and had string and leather wrapped around it. It looked kind of like Robin's bow. Mm. Uh, I just didn't get, dig into the screenshots to actually discover if it is the same bow. But I wouldn't be surprised. I think that was something we had actually theorized before is that Robin used Cupid's bow or somehow came in possession of Cupid's bow because Robin had this bow and he said an arrow fired from this never or always hits at the target, never misses, whatever. He used that at Rumpel's, then Rumpel kept the bow, and then it, oh, it found its way around from there. Maybe we did theorize that, even if it wasn't recorded. Like, it's possible. I'm retconning the podcast right now. <laughs> That's about all that I had to talk about, or both of us had to talk about in the the past, other than this reveal that, well, Regina hates herself. And I think that's 
pretty consistent with all of what we see with Regina. And what someone said uh, on Twitter, I believe, tweeting us at one's podcast, is that when you hate yourself, that pretty much spills into everything else in life. Yeah. It, that whole topic is a very, it's one of the most gray area, fine line topics yeah. there is because I think it's, I think we just use simplified language and I can't figure out the complicated language that would explain it better, but it's, it doesn't seem inconsistent with her character because of who she was when she was younger and her mother and everything that happened. It makes sense that while she's filling herself with darkness, that there's also some element of self-loathing. I mean, she's got to be aware that she's everything she ever hated and more. So it makes sense. But at the same time, humans don't have too much trouble putting themselves first. So there's kind of this odd tightrope walk between, yeah, don't maybe hate yourself Loving yourself seems a bit strong. A lot of people would disagree, but that's all semantics of language. Yeah. But yeah, like, I, got, I think loving others is where you should start. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know that just love it. Cause if you, it depends on how you, ter- I think when people hear the words love yourself, I think everybody without being able to express it, thinks something different. And some people mm. really act that out selfishly when they say, I'm just loving myself. I'm just doing what's good for me. Yeah. And the opposite of that saying that you hate yourself doesn't mean you're not putting yourself first because we Mm -hmm. certainly saw that with evil queen in the past is that she's putting herself first, her own selfishness, her desire for revenge while at the same time hating herself. It's the circular kind of thing. Just like uh, I've heard about people who struggle with um, uh, drunkenness and Mm -hmm. alcohol abuse that they will feel sorry for themselves for getting drunk and so they'll get drunk because they feel sorry for themselves. And they're, they're creating the problem right. because they feel sorry for the problem. And that's what Regina is going through, basically, uh, but with whatever torture she's putting herself under. So when jumping later into present day, when Regina says, I love myself, it does feel and sound just a little weird, those specific words. I mean, right. I get the meaning behind the words. Right. But to hear those words spoken like that are a little weird. But then she's able to use that to then say, basically, and so can you. And so it's basically like we're not enemies of ourselves anymore. Right. Yeah. And and as usual, every time we have a topic on the show, there's some weird magical aspect that makes it not, it makes it even less cut and dried (laughs) than real life because it's like, yeah, but there, but you, you, don't usually stare back at you with a different aspect of you taking center stage. Mm. But you know who I'd like to give center stage to? Mm. People who share the love week after week, month after month, episode after episode. It's our wonderful heroes for one's podcast. Thank you so much. We could not do the podcast without your wonderful help. So thank you for sharing that love. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for merging your dollar bills with our dollar bills and giving us some of your dollar bills for the value that we're giving you through the podcast. So for this episode, I'd like to thank Lisa Slack and our 23-ish, 24-ish heroes on Patreon. The reason I say ish is because I know there are a couple heroes who have been supporting us on Patreon 
and have been running into some payment problems with Patreon, uh, which is the first I've ever heard of people having some payment problems. So uh, we're trying to work that out. They said they want to continue supporting the podcast, but because of the way Patreon works, if there are payment problems, they just take that number out. So basically, we have 24 heroes on Patreon. Thank you so much (laughs) for your wonderful support. We love that uh, you enjoy this. And I heard from a listener recently who actually said they listen to our podcast even though they don't watch the TV show anymore, just because they enjoy us. They enjoy the value we provide. So if you enjoy the value we provide, even if you're still watching the TV show, then would you consider giving a little bit of value back? It's really easy. It can be as low as a dollar a month or more than that if you'd like. And you also get access to stuff like the bloopers and more. Now, it does need to be through Patreon that you get access to that. And boy, coming up soon, you are going to get a dump load of bloopers in Patreon. A because dump load of bloopers. Yes. So that doesn't sound like anything anybody wants. I have all At of these. At least just don't ever say dump load again. <laughs> I have all of these bloopers <laughs> on my computer ready to be edited, already pulled and such, just needing to be edited. So when I can very soon edit all of these things together, then you're going to get amazing bloopers that'll make you roll with laughter for years to come. So if you want to become an amazing hero and share some of your heart with us, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. That's at oncepodcast.com slash hero. Let's jump to talking about the present uh evil queen and witch robin go to this graveyard witch robin <laughs> witch robin <laughs> that robin <laughs> and i'm very glad i'm not going to have to talk about the wish realm and wish robin much longer beyond this episode of our podcast that you or, know of. yeah that i know of but let's i think it's pretty safe to assume that nonetheless here in their discussion they have on the way to the graveyard Regina does confirm that she created the Wish Realm with her wish. So it's not entirely out of the bounds of other things we've seen happen on the show. After all, it was the Dark Curse that created Storybrooke. But that's a town full of little people. (laughs) Or a little town full of little people. Waking up to say, excuse me, Mayor? <laughs> yes. Uh, Bonjour. <laughs> yeah, but real people were put into the town, so who cares where, where the buildings came from? They were real people transferred from another realm mm-hmm. with, like, souls. And we don't know how big the Wish Realm is. I would imagine it's not, like, all of fairy tale land in Wish form, but it's... In wish form. (laughs) It's like this small portion of it. And that's probably simply the Enchanted Forest and Sherwood Forest. As much as I enjoyed the beginning of this season, now that we're past the winter break, I feel like some things are taking a different direction than they intended. Hmm. That's just the feeling I'm getting left with. The battle we saw on the day that we saw (laughs) came out very strangely came sort of early and kind of unexpected and instead of a tank top she was wearing a coat like it makes it feel like they actually intended that battle to be lit toward the end of the season like you know around may in warmer weather in warmer weather <laughs> and they sort of they like gideon's not over 
but that battle is like they just wanted to get rid of it and maybe that's not true maybe that's what they always intended to do but but other things the this and we'll get more into it later but the the resolution to the evil queen storyline i'm not sure i think it was okay i think there are some major problems but i don't think that it feels like quite what the intent was in having her there at all what i do like about this season is like they promised it's not this two arc season where the first arc ends 11 episodes in before the winter finale and then the next arc goes it's been several arcs that have crossed over each other and uh, been resolved quickly or been resolved a little bit more slowly or come back and been resolved. I thought it would take weeks and weeks of battles and twists and turns and <laughs> there you go doing it day one. So I really admire the writers for, for one thing, sticking to that. Yeah. And also giving us a bit more continuity within a season so yes. that it's not like the monster of the week or the monster of the half season or right. the monster of the season it's been several monsters it's a bit more dynamic and organic in a way they didn't have the gideon battle at the end of winter yeah and then open this half season with aladdin and jasmine or something right you know i i do think that's pretty good and there's stuff really happening in the town with the characters like storybrook actually matters and there's this actual character development happening with our characters. They're not just running from battle to battle. And yet, I would have been okay, even if it was a little plot device if they had a way to keep Gideon in the picture, but give us a reason to believe that he's out of the picture for a few days. Because they're all so relaxed. And the dude can magic himself literally anywhere in the town at any moment and do anything He could kill Emma at any time while she sleeps, where she stands. I don't know, but he could do it. And she goes canoeing again. She went canoeing. Like, I don't understand the relaxation. And she'll be planning a wedding pretty soon. Yeah, at least she had the sense to not (laughs) to want to delay. But I was like, why? (laughs) Oh, you know, just that uh, that really powerful magic dude that's out to to get me. And really, I don't know what's stopping him. Other than that, I knocked him on his rear once. I don't know why Emma talks like that in my head now, but. <laughs> back to the graveyard. Uh, Evil Excuse Queen. Me? No. <laughs> back to the graveyard with you. <laughs> Evil Queen gets Robin to uh, dig that hole, diggy, diggy <laughs> hole. And uh, I noticed something that it almost seems like she's kind of checking him out while he's being all manly and digging a hole for her. That's one theory. Digging a hole for her. Yeah. Oh, oh my I mean, gosh. Boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Meredith of Everett, Washington, suggested something I thought was a clever idea. She said the evil queen managed to get the magic shears and steal a wand. Was neither protected? It could be the reason she asked Robin to dig is that it was under a protection spell that keeps magical people out, but does nothing to keep out ordinary people. I think that makes sense. I mean, why would an ordinary non-magical person want the shears of destiny? And of course, Regina, I think, didn't think, didn't want to risk using blood magic to protect it because on this show, everybody's related. And so everybody basically can get past blood magic protections. Related and almost everyone's the same age. Yeah. Pretty soon Henry's going to be the same age as everyone else if the show keeps going for more seasons. Right. Back at Mary Margaret's loft, I loved the 
Okay, yeah, snow. <laughs> Back at Snow's loft. <laughs> or do you want to uh, disagree with calling it a loft? Anyway. Um, I mean, it, it's an apartment with a loft. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Back at that Charming's place. How about that? Yeah, yeah, David lives there too. I, I love the little dynamic with Emma wearing the ring and Zelina coming in and just to watch her like look down, <laughs> look at Emma, look down and then smile just this big like, oh, I thought you were glowing kind of smile and go all girly. I mean, that stuff happens all the time, but to see it happen here and also it being Zelina, I know. the one that's all like, oh, you go girl. I'm starting to enjoy that. I can't figure out at any given moment whose side Zelina is on. <laughs> It's actually starting to just work for her character. Like, she's as liable to throw a green fireball at you as go all excited girl over your engagement ring. Yeah, yeah. And be all evil about it, too, because you know she's a witch. She's a villain, maybe. But yeah, there again, this is just where they're so relaxed. I'm like, Gideon! Gideon's an issue. They're always relaxing while there are issues in town. But not normal people issues. Well, life does have to go on in some way, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's neat to see the characters develop in that way. Yes. But also what your point is, yeah, it's like, come on, guys. How about you get rid of all of the villains, close off travel between all the realms, destroy all the magical wands, destroy anything that can bring a villain back to the town again, and then... You can plan a wedding. Well, you know, they did it with the evil queen just fine. She was a snake in a cage. She wasn't gone, but there was reason to relax. They didn't know she could just bust out, and she had no reason to bust out until there was magic that could turn her back around. Hmm. Yeah, interesting theory. I hadn't thought of it. So, yeah, I mean, it was all a little plot devicey, but at least it made sense that they weren't worried about her for a while. But Gideon was around the whole time. But then when he was gone, it was, he was just licking his wounds. He wasn't, like, gone, gone. Yeah. So, obviously, as Hook found out. Yeah. And and sad Hook on the dock, too, with his conversation with Captain Nemo. And great to see Captain Nemo back in the episode. Even if it was to say goodbye. <laughs> Hello, friend, who I never talked to. I've decided it's time to leave, and I'm taking your brother, Liam, with me. Hello, and goodbye. <laughs> I really like the focus on forgiveness. Yes. And he did say, yeah, you could keep it a secret and forgive yourself, but seek forgiveness. And it it could just be that I haven't seen the right TV shows, but I've never seen such a focus and a positive reinforcement on the idea of forgiveness as I have seen throughout the seasons of Once Upon a Time and in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. You know, looking at the final couple hours of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland spread across a couple episodes, there was so much talk about what forgiveness is and how true love is, yes, sometimes about fighting and making up Mm -hmm. and forgiving and working through struggles. And I feel like that's not been in a lot of other shows. Uh, Maybe that's because of the more family nature of this show or the more fairy tale nature of the show and to recognize that well part of making a fairy tale happily ever after ending Mm -hmm. is forgiveness has to be involved along the way right but i really like how much they're focusing on it back at regina's house uh 
what stood out to me when Henry was there looking for the quill and Regina comes in, she's like, you want this? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> looking for this? <laughs> Something I noticed with the way that Henry is talking to the evil queen. There seems to be a little bit of season one Mayor Regina that he sees in her. Mm. And remember, that's who his mother was for years before Emma entered the picture. Yeah. So yes, she was the evil queen and he suspected that, but there was still some level of love. And now that Henry is more mature, I think he recognizes that even more and recognizes this is still my mom, even though she's the evil queen like season one. Yeah, it's, mm, it's precarious. It's really, there were touching and moving things in this episode, but I think that the premise that was started originally doesn't dovetail well with where they ended up. She's fake. Her heart was ripped out and crushed and she went on living because she's not real. She was created by magic. She's not his mother. And she has a darker heart than Regina ever had and would seem the way they originally set it up to not be capable of love. And she didn't act like she really loved Henry early on. I know that that's not really the concept they drove us around to, but it's still very strange to be like, yes, we created an entire duplicate, an actual duplicate of a person with a simple potion. That's a really potentially bad precedent to set. Remember, and Reese points this out in her chat room, uh, remember that no matter what anyone tries to tell you, I love you. She said that to Henry. And Reese points out that it reminded them of uh, season one when Regina said that in the finale of season one. And I remember that too. Remember when uh, Regina thought, oh no, the curse is broken. Everyone knows I'm the evil queen. I need to tell Henry that and then run and hide in my fortress of solitude. Yes. It, mm. So this this part of the season, evil queen has really been old school Regina. Mm-hmm. not newly created separate evil queen, which she was last in the beginning of the season. The one who would sing about tearing yourselves apart. The one who would say things like posture is self-respect. She's been different. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm okay with it, but it's, you know, and that's part of the other problem. I'm not that invested either way because... I don't see her as real. She didn't even end up in the real world. She ended up in the wish realm. Right. Uh, but no, I would say that she's a real person because she's made from part of a person. It's not like, well, you could say everyone in the wish realm except Robin is not a real person somehow because they were all made up that from better be true. magic. Yeah. Um, but he or she was a part of Regina that was ripped out and made into a second person. So I wouldn't say that she is not real. I mean, she is, and we see, we've see we seen that throughout the season. She is now. I just, I feel like the original idea was perhaps to have an evil queen as a villain for fun, and she would be extra evil, and then they would have to defeat her, which would probably have been with the sword. They would have killed her. And I think somewhere along the lines, they just went, hmm, 
not sure this is a great thing that we want in the story. Maybe they even thought, and this I would agree with, of course I'm supposing lots of thoughts, but to play devil's advocate against my own thoughts, maybe they realized if in the end Regina pulled out the dark parts of herself and killed them with a sword, is it really a redemption story? Yeah. So maybe that, I, I don't know. I just don't feel like this was what they had in mind when they created her. Well, and we never got to see uh, Regina succeed in making everyone tear yourselves <laughs> apart. Hey, I missed it in the last episode, so I got to make up for that. Yeah, it's like uh, an imperfect set now. <laughs> yeah. The last episode is a collector's edition, really, because <laughs> I, I totally forgot. I broke the chain. I am so sorry for breaking the chain. That's why it's twice. Could we go back in time and change it? We we might, but that might cause a butterfly effect. And then, like, who knows what kind of weird thing would happen today. <laughs> At the sheriff's office, when they have page 23... Page 23. They remind us of, well, what's the significance of page 23? Thank you for putting that in for the people who might have forgotten. We'd always wondered why did the page even exist? And it's still not a story that has actually happened. So in a way, as they talk about there in the sheriff's office, it was an acknowledgement of what could be possible and that Regina could still have a happy ending August just messing with her. And it was a little bit of a prophecy, though, because I think what is on that page 23 will still happen in the wish realm. And maybe that's what's happening after this episode is over. But back at the wish she realm. Dressed very differently on page 23. Uh, yeah. Well, you can't see too much of what she's wearing, but I yeah, like it was it. a little bit different. I like what. We concluded about it before. And that is? I don't remember. I just know I liked it better. <laughs> it was, well, like she said, it was suggestive of something that could have been. But I, it just showed up. I don't know why. Maybe it came from the same place Robin's feather went. And maybe it came from New York City. Right. Only on Once Upon a Time would you get a line like, ever since I... Tried to destroy my dark side up on that rooftop in New York. <laughs> yep. Or maybe that's a thing that people who spend a lot of time in New York City end up saying. I don't know. When Robin was tied up at the mayor's office, I think that's when he was also kind of dropping a few hints that he kind of had a thing for Regina. But I a love few the- <laughs> hints. He was disturbing in an almost old school Hook-esque way. Not really. That's too far. Hook was much more disturbing. I, I love the moments with the rope where he's like, but you underestimate my... Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Enchanted rope was good. And in this was dropped a line that maybe makes more sense of some things that have happened before. Robin said that maybe he was there to save the evil queen. And by save, we could connect that to give her what she deserves. That's what David wished. Yeah. And, Although you could maybe make that case, and I think many people do make that case, it is a a bit of a stretch that this is how much it takes for her to get what she deserves if what Evil Queen deserves is a second chance with the man she loves and with her heart no longer completely dark, but now with hope. I mean, it's cool. I, I, it's a neat ending to the story, certainly. 
it's just a bit of a stretch to say all of this is because of David's wish. It is, which but, makes David's wish a really shaky platform for anything to have happened. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's why they bring it around like this. You know, I would have been fine. It's just terrible. In the light of this episode, it's terrible to say, but I would have been okay if the end of the Evil Queen story arc was Gideon's appearance and turning her into a snake and putting her in a cage. Yeah. I know. A little mean, but yeah, I, I think I agree with that too. Because I saw her as a holodeck character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to continue pouring on the Star Trek references. Back at Emma's place, Hook is there about to burn memories. Which this is where the whole thing kind of hit the fan. Yeah. What in the world was that? I mean, they they used it for some good revelations and some good character development. That's fine. But problems like how did how couldn't Hook even use that magic? I don't understand. I thought his Logic at least was somewhat okay. I get it, and and he owned it. I think that's what saves the scene is that later he just kind of owns it. Like, hmm. yeah, yeah, I had a couple of other really good options, and I didn't do either one of those things. <laughs> Emma's reaction, I can't decide how I feel. Well, talking about the fact that he was able to extract his memories, uh, Terry also pointed out that the first time we saw that happen was when. Mr. Gold back then, or Rumple, really taught Emma how to use her magic in order to extract the memories from Pongo so that they could discover that it was the evil queen who uh, actually had captured Archie and taken him to her ship. Yep. Yeah, it was the whole thing where Emma had to really learn how to use her magic and also the only time we've ever seen people work with the Dreamcatcher as a way to remove or return memories, magic was involved in some way. And then here, Hook does it with no problem. Yes. That, yeah, no. It frustrated me. And it was, it was so out of left field, I felt like I missed something. Mm-hmm. It's like, how did he get a Dreamcatcher with the memory? Has Emma just had that sitting around her house the whole time? I don't understand. Well, remember, Emma had a whole bunch of Dreamcatchers around. I figured it out. But the, the first impression of that scene was sort of, well, she had it the whole time anyway. Well, no, she didn't. He put it in there, which is worse because it makes no sense. And whoever said that, so, so is he sitting there watching it like, what did I do this for? Oh, that's a terrible memory. Yeah, like, does he not remember? But then without putting it back in his head, he still seemed to remember it. What could have made more sense <laughs> here is to see him sitting with it by the fire. No memories displaying on it, but his just sitting with it by the fire and Emma being like, are you about to try and remove a memory from yourself? Why would you do such a thing? And yeah. all of that. I mean, yeah, then she wouldn't know what the memory was. It would have given, given him a chance to tell her later, though. Yeah, and uh, it would have made more sense with the the rules of magic or the rules of the story, basically. But they didn't do that because they didn't. Hashtag hire the nerd. I, and I guess we are supposed to assume that by this point she's reviewed the pages that August gave them. And that's why she knows what David's father looked like, because otherwise yeah. she shouldn't know. Yeah, that's what I assume, too. Even though we never saw Hook give those pages to Emma, we can assume that. He did mm-hmm. because August gave them to Hook to give to Emma. So right. 
Uh, if he kept them, everyone would know he's hiding something. How come his killing David's father was not in the book? Because I thought the author wrote the book and the book contains everything that happened. Well, not everything that happened. It contains the highlights of certain characters. I call that a highlight. That was the part about how he actually died. But And it had a hook. The, the reason, and I believe, yeah, we talked about this. I don't remember in full discussion or initial reactions. But the reason it was even in the book at all was because it intersected with Pinocchio. And oh. it was part of Pinocchio's story. It's not really part of David's story, not part of Hook's story that was being told in the storybook. Uh, so if it wasn't for interacting with Pinocchio, then David's father wouldn't be in the book at all. That was what I got from that anyway. Hmm. I, I believe that... The likely story. Emma is totally justified in being more angry about Hook trying to cover up the crime than the crime itself. Yes. I... I am waffling. I don't know how I feel about her taking off the ring at that moment and acting like he's a different person than the person she agreed to marry. Well, like, okay, I get that you thought you were both beyond that, but let's be honest. Nobody in Storybrooke is beyond keeping secrets, no matter how many times they all admit to each other that it's a really bad idea. Take the Charmings, for example. Mm hmm. I don't know. He was being so honest with her in that moment. He was going to do the wrong thing, but he was really honest and open with her in that moment. And I, I don't know what I think about taking the ring off at that. <laughs> well, go back to listen to episode 285 of one's podcast <laughs> over know. at one's slash 285 and hear my tear jerking story. And <laughs> uh, it's so similar. It's what, drives me crazy that yeah. here i mean hook was caught <laughs> so he wasn't here confessing and in my case it was i confessed outright but mm -hmm. it was still the the core problem was this was a secret it undermined the trust in yep. the relationship and relationships have to start with trust as a foundation a good relationship really can't start yeah. without trust as a foundation so with hook and emma here the trust is seriously being uh, undermined yeah. And destroyed. And that's why Emma basically says, I thought that we could trust each other. That's basically what she's saying. And until we can both fully trust each other, uh, you need to take this ring back. Right. And and she didn't make it final. She yeah. didn't, you know, maybe overreact. I, I, I can see it. I, I think I more wish that he had just told her. Right. And she'd forgiven him and trust was maintained and they just moved on that way. I think that would have been cool, but uh, maybe not as dramatic, I guess. But drama for drama's sake is not yeah. always the best. And it's a little soap opera-ish, but... And like Emma pointed out with the Charmings, she said, you know them, you know they would forgive you. Yes, I loved that because that's what everybody's saying. I like that they've been having... Our characters say the things that you think they should say in so many cases. Mm -hmm. Instead of leaving you yelling at the TV all the time, you would never say that or uh, use more words. You say the thing that will fix this whole moment, but people never do because plot. But this show has been pretty good about that. 
Meredith of Everett, Washington said, he's worried about the wrong person. Emma didn't know Robert. She didn't love him. So the actual crime wouldn't mean that much to her. Charming is the one he should be agonizing over telling, yet he doesn't even seem to care about him. And I don't think he has much to worry about. The Charmings have the patience of saints. Regina killed Snow's father, Leopold. Does she ever bring it up? No. So yes, the Charmings would have been forgiving. When Hook then goes to find Nemo. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. 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 Okay, you can stop now. (laughs) Okay. Their, Their dialogue, just, again, fantastic dialogue written in this episode. Uh, so even if you don't r- enjoy the storyline, yes. I think this episode totally respectable for the dialogue and hearing what Hook says to uh, Captain Nemo and Nemo being the good friend that, by the way, the casting for Nemo, they picked a great guy, uh, Faran something. Um, <clears throat> he he plays that part really well, like the wise guide, the wise sage in a sense, but who has been there before. And gone through the same journey, and now he's speaking with wisdom on the other side of things, recognizing equal placing, but at the same time recognizing, don't make the same mistakes. Yep. This was the second scene of the episode that had me rather agitated, but does not have me agitated anymore because they did not leave it that way. Hook running off because he's not the man she needs... Him to be was dumb, but he didn't stay there. He didn't stay in that frame of mind. He didn't mean to leave with Nemo. Well, and it wasn't going to be a final running off. What he said is, and the whole point of the Nautilus is that it helps people find their true selves or something like that. Maybe not final, but he wasn't saying goodbye. uh, Yeah. That's true. And he wasn't telling Emma what he was doing, so it was running off, and it was not good. Yeah. And if they had left it that way, it would have been very pedestrian and very frustrating and very, very soap opera-like, but they didn't leave it there. Mm -hmm. They set up yet another cool thing, so that's it's okay in retrospect. And speaking of cool things, really cool to see Regina and the Evil Queen dueling in the mayor's office. Uh, and also see, (laughs) I I ask you, how many times have we had one character approach another one sitting in the middle of a room in a chair tied up only to have a poof of smoke or some (laughs) such thing? And it turns out it was kind of a a trap, but you knew it and you walked right in. It's a trap. Usually it's at granny's. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It was great to see. Regina using the apples as a weapon. That was fun. And the apple basket. Um, and the vines in her office wallpaper. The last time, and we have seen her use that before. Oh, that's where they came from. Season 2, episode 1, 201, Broken. She used the vines to capture David at one point. Ooh. So that was really cool. I thought at first, that's the first time we've seen it. Uh, but then I realized, no, it, it was uh, earlier on. But then there were the shears. Yeah. Which I don't know if I would call the two of them each other's destiny. So I don't know. I, I, we knew all along that there was no clear how the shears work. This is just still not something that I ever thought was going to be what they were used for. You mean they didn't go to the enchantment under the sea dance and 
Regina say to Evil Queen, you are my destiny? No, no, nothing like that. (laughs) Okay, you know you got that joke out there. We know you're laughing. Can you clue me in in here? Back to the future. Oh. Oh, okay. the, the heart thing. What do you think about that? The the merging of the two. I thought it was beautiful, but didn't have the foundation of from the story to make it deeply meaningful. Because I think anyone who's been tracking with the story went, "Wait, she's got a heart. How'd yeah. she get a heart?" Yeah, <laughs> and also the thing that just kept running through my mind through the whole rest of it, as cool as it was, and as well as Lana Perea can pull off whatever they give her to do, why did we end up with the evil queen thing culminating in a second accelerated Regina redemption story arc? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I, I don't know. It was too easy. Hey. All that darkness, Regina's struggle was a real thing yeah. and boom evil queens just oh yeah yeah I, I get that just inherited it all yeah she inherited not just the capacity for love but like all the progress and all the learned lessons which really she has the memory so if she if they balance out the darkness in the hearts that i almost wish they had just never introduced as a thing anyway because <laughs> the whole story would be a lot more easy to without a physical darkness in everybody's hearts the story could make a lot more sense and they could play with gray a whole lot more than they do without destroying their own mechanics but whatever i mean i thought that was interesting i like like i say i don't know i didn't know whether to be moved or not i was moved by what was actually happening but i was unmoved by the foundation and everything that led up to it because Mm -hmm. it just i couldn't make it work i'm like how is she how is she real? This isn't, this is weird. And now there are two Reginas and it got super weird later. Yeah. And going back to what I said earlier, storyline of this episode, not so good, but the dialogue, yes. fantastic. And character development, great. And when Evil Queen said, now let's finish this, this time it meant something. That foundation was there. When she said it to Zelina, it made absolutely no sense whatsoever, as I went on and on about back in the day. Oh, yeah. But this is what I'm talking about. This actually meant it. I like the symbolism in seeing them both clean up the mayor's office afterward. When they've calmed down and the hearts are now shared certain things with each other, not completely merged. I thought initially yeah. it was just like a, a complete copy to copy sort of thing but no it was uh, regina said i took some of your darkness i gave you some of my love right or some of the love it would have except that it would have been even weird more weirdly redundant i feel like evil queen should have probably needed to go off and stew about it for a little while it was almost like a curse had just been lifted from her and she was just like oh yeah i'm kind of regina too huh it was like all she could feel was love she was more passive than separated Regina. Well, all you need is love. Love is all you need. <laughs> and that helps get the job of, of cleaning the mess up in the mayor's office, too. Uh, <laughs> and then we go to... <laughs> I'm laughing at Doc, and he wants to give me a forgetting spell. So I, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I need it. 
No, because then I'll watch it because I forgot and then I'll just go through it all again. Well, you know, if you did drink a forgetting potion and you forgot the seasons before this Mm -hmm. season, then we wouldn't have as many storyline problems with this season. Do you think the writers have been uh, hitting the forgetting potion a little too hard? (laughs) You know what I mean? Imbued with much dark forgetting potion, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sheesh. And speaking of writers, back at Granny's, uh, Henry has uh, then the quill after Evil Queen comes back. What do you think of using the quill again? Uh, okay, thank you, Jeremy. The that. quill, the quill is so meta because it kind of is used at lazy writing moments, and it is in itself portrayed as lazy writing. Henry is a lazy author. What did the page actually say? The evil queen went to the place where she could get a fresh start. <laughs> Come on, Henry. You have the ability to shape this for her. Like, what? Just that? Ugh. It means nothing. He doesn't even know what it means. He just writes the one line, and plus it was a technicality anyway to be able to use it. I thought, speaking and- of technicalities, that it said the place. Not a place, but the place, as if there's only one place. Well, maybe there is. Who knows? Henry doesn't. And by the way, if he's the author, why isn't he always writing? Not true. Why isn't he always recording everything? Isn't that his job? Well, he can do it so quickly with the magical quill that maybe he just does it in his spare time in the evenings. <laughs> Not much happens. Like <laughs> He's a freelance writer. That's what he's doing. <laughs> Freelancing in the <laughs> early mornings, you know, the whole 5 a.m. miracle kind of thing. Yeah. I love that Regina pointed out, I was redeemable. So that means she is. Yeah. I also like that she didn't freak out when Snow said not everyone's redeemable about a, basically a copy of her. Yeah. I liked that Snow was questioning it instead of just doe-eyed. Oh, that's wonderful. Let's yep. trust her implicitly like she generally does. She has reason to question someone's honesty. And she does until... She actually talks to, I don't even know what to call her. Is she, is she Regina now? I, I would still call her the evil queen would because she's the at least queen? the queen. Maybe we she could should just be call like her the Rhonda. Queen. <laughs> she can be Rhonda, Rhonda and Regina. I think that's cool. And then, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but I like whatever she is, however she quickly, she arrived at this redeemed spot I liked that Snow had the discernment. I, I just sort of liked what they communicated, how Jenny Goodwin just sort of said everything with her face as she listened to Rhonda <laughs> apologize. The name Rhonda, by the way, means good spear. <laughs> so maybe potentially well, fitting with her. Take that as you will. <laughs> she hopes that she won't be ripping anyone's heart out anytime soon. She's not real sure. And... It, but yeah, I I thought that was a cool moment. And now, Henry has three moms. And that's when moment over. <laughs> it was, see, it was hard. I was conflicted again because it was touching. Yeah. But I was like, but, but no, like she was created by a potion and she couldn't die and she was all evil. But then we all decided that she wasn't. 
I don't think Regina not being totally free of darkness necessarily meant that this weird sort of doppelganger had to be also a fully formed person with good in her. I I just, that concept really just came up in the one episode when they decided to end it. And that's what I think is frustrating me. Hmm. But yeah, the, the whole, and he was laying it on just a little thick with the mom thing. It was like, he called her that a little too much within a few seconds. Yeah, you really don't know which mom he's talking to at some point. But at least they wrote her off the show, literally, yeah. so that he's not going to be facing three moms for forever. But hey, redundancy is a good thing. When one fails, you can fall back to the other one. So he has a backup mom and he has a backup backup mom. You know, off-site backups. (laughs) Backups in the cloud. So if Regina ever dies, they can find a way to get Rhonda out of the Wish Realm. That's right. And they can name her Regina. And they'll have to use a spear to do it, too. (laughs) But then, by no choice of his, Rhonda gets sent to (laughs) the Wish Realm, where she... So, follow with me here. Now, a part of Regina gets to spend a part of her life with a part of Robin in a partial realm with all of these completely fake people. It's a great fresh start, too. How long do you think it will be before King Henry catches up with her and tries to kill her, maybe spending his life bent on revenge, maybe becoming the (laughs) evil king? It's a great fresh start. Yeah. That's true. Unless by some weird thing, removing Robin from the wish realm and then sending him back somehow reset the wish realm. Because after all, how can that be the place where Rhonda can be sent? I love that we're calling her that now. Uh, where That Rhonda can be sent. Help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. <laughs> to have a fresh start. I, like we said in initial reactions, literally any other realm, she would have a better fresh start than there in the wish realm because yes. that's where she's considered a villain who was defeated yes. and is feared. Yes. Unless there was some kind of reset done over there. But it doesn't matter even with a reset. Okay. So the Charmings are alive, which by the way, the Charmings, and they think that she's the evil queen and they're trying to kill her too. Uh, or or banish her or whatever it is heroes do now. Mm, I don't I don't understand what's happening. I feel like the wheels all just fell off. We've got two people, yes, created by a wish and a spell. <laughs> it sounds like a song or something. <laughs> uh, and they're living in the wish realm. Either they don't matter because they're fake, or they're real. And the method of their creation is suspect. But now, if they're real, and especially if Robin is real, that means our Regina went to their world and killed the Charmings. Yeah. There is no good explanation for anything that just happened. Meredith of Everett, Washington said, I do think it's a cop-out that the evil queen gets Robin to herself, but at least this one suits her. And thanks to Regina's visit, Snow and Charming are already dead there, so she's got no one to chase for revenge. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but someone might be chasing her for revenge. Yeah. 
her son. Now, I ish. I do I mean, the problems aside uh, with the storyline. I do like that they did this. I the only thing is I wish the scene was a little bit more vague. Like instead of getting to see she and Robin talk to each other, I think it could have been almost a little more magical if what they did was we saw that she's at the tavern. She looks through the window, sees the man with the lion tattoo, tattoo, and she opens the door <laughs> and steps in and seen. <laughs> I and not seen like la 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 la, but. <laughs> but I mean, end of the scene. I think that would have been a we nice... We don't all pronounce those words the same way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not Southern enough to pronounce uh, the the G in it, which is a Southern thing to pronounce the G in I-N-G stronger than I do. And maybe West Coast. It, yeah, maybe. But that aside, <laughs> I think that could have been more fun if they made it a vague cut like that and left it a little bit more magical. It's like... The, I still could have complained about it. yeah. But, I'd have found a way. <laughs> you will always find a way. <laughs> <laughs> Plot holes. I will always find you. <laughs> and this is what the podcast has turned into. <laughs> well, I'm sad. After this whole season, I've really, I've really been enjoying it, but I'm kind of, it's the, the complainable things are starting to come back. They're starting to filter back in. And it's just, it's very difficult to just enjoy the story when the story is making me just see question marks. Yeah, and it's it's almost getting to the point where you have to ignore certain plot holes, just like we've, and I had this Twitter conversation with someone through our Once Podcast Twitter account, um, we've had to ignore the plot hole for years of how does Storybrooke get its power? What about tax? Where do they get food? And all of that kind of stuff. We've had to ignore that for years. But Well, yeah, and, but Enchanted Rope. So I'm kind yeah. of okay with it. Okay. <laughs> Cell phone service is a little weird, but still, there are enchanted things. Well, it's all the friends and family plan, all for the entire town, so they get free calls unlimited to each other. <laughs> that was before the days of free unlimited calling to everyone and unlimited data to everyone, which... You see all those commercials during Once Upon a Time anyway. If you watch it live, you're really not missing much. Back on the dock, Hook and Snow are there. And uh, as uh, I think it was Meredith of Everett, Washington, or maybe someone else had pointed out that we've never really seen Hook and Snow get a nice moment with each other, a good conversation, you know, this Mm. family sort of relationship conversation. Yeah. And we got a nice one here with them. It is funny how Ginny and Josh managed to pull off the parental air while being the same age. Yeah. And it's funny that uh, here's snow and it's snowing. And she did say, it's cold out here. Go home. That is actual (laughs) snow. It was actually snowing in that scene as well as the other scenes uh, in this episode where we saw snow, that was actual snow since they filmed this in Canada and they film it in the winter time, or at least this episode was filmed in the winter time. So that's real snow and real breaths that you see coming out of people. (laughs) It's not CG, not CG breath. 
Yeah, that was actually a complaint someone had back in season one. Oh. And uh, Jane Espenson talked about it in one of the um, extras, the commentary on one of the episodes. Oh, I think funny. it was 7.15 a.m. that she talked about it out. She said some people were tweeting and saying like, oh, why'd you have to go in and put a breath there? It looks so fake, but it was an actual <laughs> breath. Some people think everything looks fake. But yes, I loved this conversation and I loved that Hook wasn't too thick-headed mm-hmm. to actually take what she was saying. He didn't just turn around and be like, well, it's too late for that and then go get on the sub and leave. He he did get on the sub, unfortunately, but... Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, he was going to stay and that was good. That was the right choice. Although... I suppose it doesn't matter whether he got it back on board or not. Gideon could have put him there. Which, again, the poofing, the magicking. Gideon was not a dormant threat. Gideon was an active threat, and they should have been acting like it. Mm-hmm. And why? Why remove Hook from the picture? Is it because this makes a hopeless Emma, and a hopeless Emma is easy to defeat? I think he wants to put her under a curse that only true love could defeat. And Hook, being away, won't be able to defeat it, you're saying? Right. But he's going to come back. Depends on where that sub is going. That's true. Captain Nemo did say to make sure they got everything because he didn't know the next time they would see land again. So they are prepared. They are. Hint, hint. They are subtly prepared to be gone for a really long time. Subtly, which has the word sub in it. Sub totally prepared. Uh, Stretchy sub. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and we go to sad Emma. Sad Emma. I just, eh, eh. They're doing it well, but it's still kind of soap opera-y. The misunderstandings, the drama, the he left, but then he didn't really, but then he did, and he didn't tell her what he was doing, he didn't say goodbye. Now she just has to wonder, ugh, but I have confidence that it will be wrapped up more quickly than it feels like. Oh, I'm not so confident in it because the way that they're portraying Emma, and I've thought things like this before, so I know I could be completely wrong, recognizing that the end of the season is near and possibly the end of the series. We don't know. But we will have a podcast if this series continues on into a seventh season. Um, Side note, the theory right now is that if we get a seventh season, it might be like a half season. And then that would be the end of Once Upon a Time. Which could be good if they can't resolve the show completely at the end of season six. uh, And the writers beg ABC to get half a season so they can complete the story. Because if anything, I want them to complete the story. I don't want it to be cut off without a completion. I want a resolution. Like Once Upon a Time in Wonderland was completely resolved. They had a plan for if they got a second season, but season one, season only of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland stood alone by itself, resolved really nicely. I want to see Once Upon a Time do that whenever it is that they do it, whether it's a full seventh season whether it's this sixth season or something else but that aside uh the reason i bring all of that up is with the end of season six coming close i kind of wonder are they setting up emma 
to sacrifice herself in some way that will be amazing and filled with love and repeat everything I've said about several other characters sacrificing themselves at the end of a series before. They could have an episode right before that where they create a copy of Emma and just have her learn everything that she's learned over the years, but in a few moments. Okay, I'm taking Jeremy's microphone privileges away. What? (laughs) For that? (laughs) Uh, Well, what about this scene made you think that? It's... It's more than a feeling, pop culture reference. Are you getting visions? <laughs> it's, it's seeing the character, knowing how stories sometimes go in that uh, they'll, have, they'll have this sad moment and it seems like there's no more hope. And then like the main character gives up in some way and then they see the person they love and they stand up and they fight against Gaston, but then they still die anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> um, that's the kind of feeling I kind of feel like they're setting it up for. Like here's, here's a potential way that this could go story-wise. Emma gets into this final battle. And she's kind of doing it half-heartedly and kind of feeling like I have nothing left to fight for. Uh, I I can't protect these people, whatever. And then Hook comes and he's like, Beast, I'm here. I mean, Emma, I'm here. And Hook comes back and Emma realizes, wait, I do have something to fight for. The person I love is here. I will defeat this person. But the only way to defeat this person is is to take my life with them. So I will run the dagger through both them and myself. Oh, whoops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's already been used. Um, so I will do something like sacrifice myself with the with defeating this villain, and that will be the only way to save everyone I love. That's the kind of thing I could see happening. Like there is... Uh, I won't give away the ending because it's a neat, fairly recent movie. But there is a a movie starring um, one Robert Downey Jr. where at the end of the movie, that kind of thing happens. Where uh, Downey's character recognizes that he can't win, but he can't let the other person win. And so the only choice is we both die. And that's happened in other storylines as well. So that's the kind of thing I'm thinking. Um, And I know Jared in the chat room is saying, Emma is the main character. There's no way they're killing a main character. Like, yeah, there's no way they're going to kill the son. That is the whole reason for casting the dark. Oh, wait, they did do that. I wouldn't put it past them on the show, especially considering that could be the end of the season. Now I'm not saying they will, but if they do, it would be in some way that would be like, savior-esque sacrifice it would be beautiful and loving and maybe for once it would be a death that would not be undermined unless there's by later story yeah unless there's a season seven uh this is why books are better (laughs) they're written and they're published and they're done story has an end and you know that it's going to be there and no person is going to say well You're done. No ending for you. The anxiety we have is not that the show will end, but whether it will have an ending. Right. Now, I kind of doubt they'll do that because after all, the show is all about hope. 
And I think a lot of people want to see a happy ending. If she died without ever really getting to even have a conversation with Hook again, I don't think that would fly with anybody. True. Unless it's one of those things where it's just a look and you know it, you feel it, you know, (laughs) they both repent. They're both sorry. Or, you know, everything. I was about to ask if this was another song. (laughs) Everything that needs to be spoken is felt in just a look between the two of them. And that seems like stuff like that has happened before in other shows or movies. I want to see whatever it is, a beautiful ending, which doesn't necessarily mean a totally happy ending. Like I look at uh, how the end of Chuck, one of my favorite TV shows, now not the best TV show, and I can't necessarily recommend it for everyone, but one of my favorites the ending for it, and I won't give it away at all, but the ending for it was not necessarily happy, hmm. but it was beautiful. Hmm. One of my favorite endings to a TV show ever. Hmm. Uh, other than, I think, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland had an absolutely beautiful ending as yes. well. And this podcast is now coming to a beautiful ending <laughs> as well. You can continue the conversation about this episode on our website over at oncepodcast.com slash 287. That's also where you can go to share this episode out with your family and friends. Anyone who's watching Once Upon a Time, please tell them about the podcast. Get them involved in it and get them to send their great feedback. And you send your great feedback and theories too. We've been a little light on feedback lately, and we would love to incorporate your theories into our discussion of Once Upon a Time. All of our contact information is on the website at oncepodcast.com slash 283. In the meantime, connect with us on Twitter at OnesPodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. This podcast would not be possible without our great team of volunteers. So special thanks to Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanis from AudioEditingSolutions.com for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing spoilers. You'll hear from them in just a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Keb for masterminding our timeline, and to my fellow co-hosts, Jeremy, Aaron, Heather, who couldn't be here tonight, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting this podcast with me. And until next time, remember, I do love you. I love all of you. (laughs) And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be an amazing hero too and keep the podcast going, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. There's no definite limit to how much you need to donate to support the podcast. It's what you feel the podcast is worth to you. Check out your options over at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast episode 615, A Wondrous Place. When Hook finds himself trapped in another realm along with the Nautilus and her crew, he races to return to Emma before Gideon can execute the rest of his plan. In Storybrooke, Regina and Snow take Emma out to get her mind off of Hook's disappearance. 
And in a flashback to Agrabah, Jasmine befriends Ariel, and together they set out to look for Prince Eric as the threat from Jafar intensifies. This episode is written by Jane Espenson and Jerome Schwartz and is directed by Steve Perlman. Yeah, so a lot going on. It's a Team Princess episode. Yay, Princess! And we have quite a few guest stars. Uh huh. We have Joanna Garcia Swisher back as Ariel. We haven't seen her in about two years. I really like her. Yeah, I she's she's great. I'm glad she came back. We of course have Karen David as Princess Jasmine, mm-hmm. Dennis Ock Dennis as Aladdin. We have Odin Fair returning as Jafar, and we haven't seen him since the first Aladdin and Jasmine centric earlier this year. We have Giles Matthew back as Gideon, Farron Tarir as Captain Nemo, Gil McKinney as Prince Eric, Cedric D'Souza as the Sultan, Nick Eversman as Liam, uh, Hook's brother, the younger one, Zaf Paru as Prince Ahmed, Thomas Cadrot as the bartender, Sean Omide as a street vendor, and Jesse Stretch as the head Viking. Woohoo! Because when you go to the Middle East, <laughs> you obviously see Viking. <laughs> That's exactly no where your idea. head goes. Yep. Like, that would have made plenty of sense probably back with the Frozen storyline. Everything about the guest stars makes perfect sense until you get to the head Viking. (laughs) I have no idea what that is. (laughs) Short promo again. It is. Obviously ramping up the angst between Emma and Hook. Yeah. So Emma thinks she needs to move on because Hook just took off. But how do we know this? There's got to be a scene that they didn't, that they show that says that he took off like Regina saw him down by the water, right? Because, like, in this town, if someone goes missing, it's usually something bad. True. So, and you can't cross the town line. We saw that an episode ago in the Rumple and uh, Balefire episode that you can't actually leave the town. So why does she think he just took off? I don't he, know. He, so, he, like, he can't that leave. confused me. <laughs> I don't know. That also confuses me. Unless the Jolly Roger's gone. Like, does Gideon sink it or something? Like, because that would be some. That would be a reason to think that he left. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she would think that he would get on the Nautilus. No, she probably wouldn't. I don't know. Can the Jolly Roger leave Storybrooke if you literally can't leave the town if you can't cross the town line? I don't know. That's why I thought he might have sunk it. Yeah, and maybe Emma just believes that he took the Jolly Roger and had some sort of magic bean or something i don't know so this whole little thing confuses me about how hook just took off because it sounds not that big they'd know where he was yeah and hook just wants to get home to emma since she's in danger and she thinks that he abandoned her and i don't know how that he knows that again no idea do they have a magic mirror on the nautilus (laughs) maybe but aladdin and jasmine are there too yeah, it looks I like have, they're on the Nautilus. They are. I don't know why or how. <laughs> like, when we last saw them, Aladdin was a genie, and he took Jasmine to go find Agrabah, because remember, it's missing. Right. Is it so, like Atlant- the city of Atlantis and underwater? on the Nautilus? Like, is it shrunken down to toy size on the ship? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, why are they there? I have no clue. Like... It just weirds me out. 
But then Ariel has her legs and she's on land and it looks like she's in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that like makes a, sense. A market. Which is is actually canon compliant before anybody asks. Yes, when we first met Ariel back in season three, there was a mention that Prince Eric was going to be sailing to faraway lands of Agrabah. So okay, this takes place, this flashback must take place pre-Dark Curse after her voice was stolen, but she's got it back. So no. It's got to take place <laughs> during the Neverland time. Okay, I just, I don't know. I just gave myself a headache. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like Aladdin and Jasmine are fighting a sea monster, which yes. could be Ursula type. Sure. Sure. Why not? I mean, it looks like Urna Ursula from the movie. It's a tentacles and. Maybe it's a giant kraken. <laughs> release the kraken. Right, release the kraken. Okay, and the Nautilus looks to be under attack at some yes. point. And Hook, of course, says, every moment I'm here, it's killing me. It's not overly dramatic at all. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> we got some photos. If you want to call it that. And once again, it's of a single scene. Mm-hmm. And they are all of Hook, Aladdin, Jasmine on the Nautilus. And we also see Ariel. She's yep. So she's joined them at some point. Not yep. just flashback, but she's in present day, too. Because this makes sense, and she's on the Nautilus with them. <laughs> and then Ariel's giving Hook some sort of box, and we see Jasmine with a vial of something red. Yep. And uh, Ariel also has a lamp, which... Or it looks like a vase, because it didn't look like a traditional lamp. Right. I actually think it's Jafar's genie bottle. Okay. Except (laughs) this is not a continuity. This is a bad continuity thing. That's not actually the lamp that Jafar went into at the end of Wonderland. It looks more like Cyrus's lamp. Or could it be Aladdin's lamp? Because isn't he a genie? He is a genie now. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's definitely all one scene and... Somehow they're all together. Yeah. So lucky for everyone listening, we have a script tease. I think this is the first one in a few weeks. This is since we've been back. It's going to be great. Okay. Who would you like to be? You know what? I think I'll take Jasmine's role. It's it's so important. Okay. So I'm going to be Ariel. My legs and my voice, actually. It's a long story, but thank you. I'm Ariel. Wait. I'm laughing. (laughs) I'm laughing because it's literally one word. (laughs) Just like, okay. Um. (laughs) This is why we don't do this really early in the morning or really late at night. (laughs) All right. Do it again and I won't laugh. Okay. My legs and my voice, actually, it's a long story, but thank you. I'm Ariel. Jasmine. And scene. End scene. Uh, no just, laughing, but end scene. Yeah, no laughing. That's just us. <laughs> so, Isn't yeah. Isn't that what she says in the promo, though? Or something like that? Oh, maybe. I think but, that's part of what was said in the promo. Because the I'm Ariel part is the part she says in the promo. Yeah, yeah. And this has got to be the flashback when they meet. 
Yes. In Way Agrabah. to go, guys, for giving us promo stuff. You should have given us something original. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about it for the episode. Yeah, it is. We didn't but get a whole lot, but there's they, a couple interviews, but they all talked about last episode. Yeah, they're all really just about, you know, Hook and his journey trying to come back to Emma and teasing their happily ever after. And Lana uh, for the Regina's and the Evil Queen. Yeah. So nothing big there, but they are still filming the finale. Mm-hmm. Last week when we talked, um, they had just started filming the finale, and we had a few photos from that. And just to recap those, um, they're very strange. <laughs> yes. Because we see Henry walking around Storybrooke, and he's got his, his Once Upon a Time book. And we see characters like Archie and Pongo and Granny. And then suddenly, without warning, Henry's on a stretcher being rolled into an ambulance. And then later we see him in a neck brace. Yeah. Like, how badly hurt does he get? I didn't think that he was part of this fight. Right. I don't fully understand that because the Black Fairy and Rumpel are around when Henry's being rolled into the stretcher. And the Black Fairy actually looks really, really concerned. Like, she's upset that Henry got hurt. And it looks like she's driving Regina's car in one of the photos. Yeah. With and gold? Gold. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. But, but it looks like Allison Fernandez is having a great time. She is. She keeps taking photos of herself with various cast members. Yeah. And, you know, there's a rumor going around about who her character is. Ooh. And tell. the rumor, and before anybody yells at me, it's just a rumor. <laughs> but they are saying that her character is going to be the daughter of Tiger Lily and Captain Hook. Oh. Now, I kind of think there are some issues with that. (laughs) Um, Meaning like she's a Latina and they're not? Yes, that is definitely one of those issues. (laughs) But, you know, those are rumors that I'm hearing from set. So I don't know. Maybe. But, I mean, so, yeah, she's Latina, but if she doesn't talk like one then that's fine. And I could see where they're going with it because of the darker skin and everything. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that they've played fast and loose with the race. Right. Of a character. I mean, Lily comes to mind. So, again, maybe. Maybe. That'd be kind of interesting. And then the other photos were from a scene of Emma, Regina, and... It looks like they're taking Henry to school because we see a lot of other school kids and he's in his uniform. And, and it's actually he is not old enough to go by himself. <laughs> I know. He's only like 17 or 18, you know. <laughs> yes. Mommy still has to walk him to school. Um, but it's, they're actually really sweet photos. There were a lot of really cute ones of Henry and Regina, you know, hugging. And it, it looked very sweet, actually. Yes, it did. With lots and lots of school kids. Because yes. where do they all live in this town? I don't know. Because you never see them any other time except for at school. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> no one knows where the rest of Storybrooke is the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah. So that's about it on the filming shots that we have. But you just started coming across some interesting news. Yeah. So right before we started recording, some reports started coming out confirming that Jenny Goodwin and Josh Dallas will be leaving the show at the end of season six. I would take this with a small 
grain of salt. I mean, when I say confirmed, I don't mean that it's from Adam and Eddie. It's not from Jenny and Josh themselves. It's from uh, other sources. It does, however, seem to match up what we've been talking about for quite a while in that they were not part of the contract negotiations along with Jennifer Morrison, Robert Carlyle, Lana Perea, and Colin O'Donohue. Which, and they have talked about taking the show in a new direction. Yes. And I think that new direction is going to be short, several cast members. And Ginny and Josh were actually always at the top of everyone's list of who would leave. But, you know, it's still pretty sad. They've been with us since day one. They are, I mean, come on, it's Snow White and Prince Charming. I know, that's kind of sad. I, I really like their characters. Right. I mean, how do you not at, at this point? You know, we've we've seen so much of their story right so like just to cut them out completely would be hard but maybe they might come back as a guest star yeah i think if they were to be asked back for an episode i think they'd say yes they're still such a big part of the show you know how do you not have emma interact with her mom and dad every now and then right so it will be sad to lose them but if you think about it, too, they do in real life have two young kids, so they, they probably do. want to spend some time with them. And I know – I don't know. Did Zootopia get a sequel? Yeah, it did. So yeah. I'm sure so Jenny's going to be busy. busy. Yeah, yeah she's, she's a great voice actress. So. Oh, God. If you guys haven't seen Zootopia, you must see it. Yes, very Immediately. <laughs> it's on Netflix, or at it least is. it was. Yeah. So It's absolutely something you guys need to see. But I think that's all we have today. Not a lot for you, but Not a it's lot. some stuff. But you uh, know what? I suspect next week we're going to have most of the finale having been shot. Yeah. And we always tend to get really big spoilers about the finale. They have yet to really, truly surprise us. So next week we may actually be able to tell you what the end result of this entire season is. <laughs> that would be a good thing, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Traveling Pixie. And I'm Jacqueline. You can follow me on Twitter at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. Until next time, Oncers.